0: Uh, before I get to my next guest, uh, Brian Jacobs, this, this segment of the show, folks, is sponsored by our good friends at the PGA TOUR Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA TOUR Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA TOUR Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATOURSUPERSTORE.COM. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back in making his eighth appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort Guest Line is Brian Jacobs. Let me remind you about Brian's background. He earned his undergraduate degree and then his Master's of Education from State University in New York at Brockport. He became a PGA Assistant Director of Instruction at Ravenwood Golf Club up in Rochester, New York back in 2006, simultaneously becoming a staff instructor for Hank Haney Golf. In 2010, he became the Director of Instruction and a Hank Haney Certified Instructor at a Ron Country Club in Rochester. 2014, became a lead instructor on the Golf Channel Academy. 2015, he started the Brian Jacobs Golf Academy at Ridmont Country Club up in Rochester. I've got my Brian Jacobs golf hoodie on out of my deep respect uh, respect and appreciation for Brian for all he's brought to this show and for the game of golf and very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Brian, how are you, my friend? Chris, thanks so
1: much for that great intro. Uh, I've got my bill stuff on, and you've got Brian's <laughs> golf here. That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I'll take mine. You can keep little...
0: yours. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Brian, I, I want to start off our time. I want to get some opinions from you about the game of golf before we start getting into, into uh, some playing lessons. And You and I got caught up in a Facebook debate uh, with our friend David Ogren about technology and how far the golf ball flies and, and david's point is you know we need to grow the game of golf and if we roll the golf ball and the clubs, the technology back the game is just going to become harder and therefore fewer young people are going to want to play it because you know they like hitting it 300 plus yards and if you only drove it 270 game becomes a little harder maybe they go back to playing video games and won't play golf and and kind of my point is i think we need bifurcation and, you know, let the amateurs like, you know, like me, you know, let us have whatever technology and hit it as far as we want and, and go play. You know, college baseball has aluminum bats and college football plays by a different uh, different set of rules. So there's some precedent, you know, for having rules at different levels or different levels of the game. So, you know, from a pro perspective, you know, let's roll it back for them. But what I don't want to see, Brian, are places like St. Andrews become a pitch and putt. Because they're driving it 400 yards and they just got to chip it onto the green. And, you know, these guys are going to be breaking 60 out there. Um, I just don't like the bomb and gouge sort of thing. But what's your thought?
1: Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I I see both sides of it. I've looked at bifurcation and, and I also look at it as a teacher. You know, we work very, very hard, obviously, to get our students to to play well and they all want to hit it farther and some are capable and some are not. And, we're, you know, overspeed training and, and training. And, and I would, you know, saw your, your point, which you eloquently made <clears throat> online. And, and of course I'm respectful of that. I see David's point as well, but, but uh yeah, I guess I don't want to skirt the issue too much. Uh People like the long ball. They like, you know, they, they go to football games for offense. They go to baseball games for offense, but, I think when you're looking at the game of golf, uh, I, I do think something needs to be done, you know, on the tour level. And I don't know what it is. You can't really build longer golf courses. Um, there's no space, you know, to do that anymore on a lot of the golf courses that they play. You know, do you grow up the rough, uh, like was what happened at Bay Hill? Um, you know, and you get a little wind and then do, do we really want to see people shoot 83 or 85, you know, a tour player? I mean, it's just kind of all over the all over the map. But uh, I can definitely see where bifurcation could happen, you know, at the pro level, um, you know, at the tour level for sure. These guys just, well, you've seen them. They just smash it. I mean, it is just so far. Um, And and the average player, we should never take that away from them. We should allow them to hit it as far as they want, juice up the equipment as much as we can and make it fun for them, or teach them to move forward, which was a, a huge initiative a long time ago. Um, and, and it seems like we've gotten away from that as well, like playing the appropriate tees. Um, I listened to my good friend, Michael Breed, and it's a lot about, uh, you know, tee boxes or being able to play based on swing speed. Um, you know, and which makes a lot of sense. Uh, you have people that have a driver's speed of 82 miles per hour and they're back at 7,200 yards because, you know, they want the challenge. And now you're looking at a five and a half hour round. Uh, and it's just, there's so many issues in the game right now that, and, and although it's healthy, which is, which has been, you know, great to see, uh, the academy's busy and, and, um, I guess there's no clear answer for me yet. I'm a TBD guy, but I certainly see both sides of the issue. I, I want to see the amateur be able to enjoy the game and bring them into it, but I also want to see the professionals, um, the most skilled players in the world, um, you know, be able to make birdies, but also, like you said, not turn these courses into chip and pots.
0: So there's a couple of things that, that I want to go a little deeper on from what you just said. And, and the idea of multiple tees, right? And Bill Bergen has talked about that on the show many times about, you know, going out to going to the range at the, at the golf courses that he designs and, and teeing off there and seeing how far you hit it, which will then determine what tees you should be playing. Right. For, yeah. for guys like me, you know, that, you know, have been playing for as long as I have, there's sort of a stigma. Right. To moving up. Right. right. I mean, I, you know, whether you play the blues or the whites or the reds or the golds, they sort of came with a stigma that uh, right. kind of says something yeah. about you. The guys tend to, you know, at least guys, I don't know about the, from, a, from a lady's perspective, but we tend to think, well, you know, I'm, I'm a good player. I'm, I'm playing the blues. Right. And then to right. your <laughs> point, it takes us five and a half hours and we shoot one hundred and ten. Right. So I exactly. think that that's, that's something that needs to change. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I totally agree. I've been a big proponent of not coloring the tees. Number one, you know, and then I get it a lot. it, you know, I'm, I'm going away this week, actually Friday, we leave for Bay Hill and uh, talked to players already that are going on the triple we'll play a number of different golf courses in the Orlando area, but let's make sure, you know, that you guys are at the proper tees and here's where you should play and, Well, I'm not going to play the ladies' tees. You're not playing the ladies' tees. There's no such thing. There's forward, middle, back, whatever they have. Um, I try to be really strong with the language about that. And then also based on, okay, you're going to go play back at 6600 and you hit your driver 210. (laughs) You know, you're never going to reach par four and two ever. Um, you know, you're going to be hitting long irons in and hybrids in and three woods in. I think it would be much more fun. And, and I'll move up, actually, with guys. Uh, we have a couple in the group that will play forward because they don't have the ego about it. So I'll move right up with them. I think that's a blast. I think that's fun. So I would take the colors away from the tees, number one. And then number two, got to rename. we got to start uh, an initiative to have these called forward, middle, back. Uh, and way back, you know, or, or not you, keys, right? We got you and not you and not you and not you and not you, um, possibly, you know, it's, and, and nope. I get it. I've taught students before that I had a gentleman a number of years ago that he refused to move up. He just would not, you know, I'm not moving off the white teeth. Well, he was a doctor. I go, doctor. It's 6,700 yards, and you're 75 years old. This can't be fun. You know, up there is fun. And to this day, I, I think he's still around. I would imagine that he never moved up ever for a round of golf. They just get it in their head. They're not moving.
0: I think we got it. I agree with you. I think we got to change some somehow, some way, so the so the ego and the old stigma is gone, and now it's just a, a different, you know, we're calling it something different. I agree. That's a great idea. Hey, talk to me about Bay Hill. You know, you say you're going yeah. down there. I'm curious to get your thought on on last uh, last week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. To your point, there were there were a lot of 80s shot out there, yeah. and you know, only four guys yeah. finished under par. What what did you think of that? Do you enjoy watching that kind of golf, or or do you not like to see uh, the guys struggling? You'd rather see more birdies.
1: I'd rather see more birdies, not birdie fast, but but certainly more birdies. I just I think. I don't know if it's humbling or demoralizing to have a professional, you know. And I've been in that boat before, even in playing in section events where, oh boy, pro shot par, right, seventy nine or eighty, and an eighty is a big deal. Like you don't want to put an eighty up. Seventy nine just seems so much better, uh, even though it's one shot. But but I I just uh, I prefer to see more birdies, and then I I like to see like the Open, the Opens, um, you know, be a little bit more difficult little trickier and, and much more firm conditions, but I think this is kind of the way the game's gonna move a little bit. You know, the golf course superintendents are gonna and the tournament um, providers are gonna start making it a lot tougher. They're gonna start growing the rough out and growing it up and they're not gonna let the guys come in and tear their courses apart. So I, I don't I wouldn't be surprised if this is a trend, you know, down the line. Because it just keeps going. So, so, to answer your question roundabout, I don't like to see the tour players shoot 80 or 85. I'd much rather see them shoot 70 or 65.
0: So, talk about your trip. Why? Uh, what got you going down to Bay Hill, especially right after the API?
1: Well, it's funny. We uh, I used to do this a long time ago. I used to go visit a good friend uh, Ed Bow, who was in uh, was in Amelia Island. And I used to take an annual trip and it started to get to be big. It started to be 20 people, 24 people. The wives would go, stay at the resorts. And then it just got kind of hard to manage. So I took a couple of years off and I said, you know, I'm going to do Ireland or something. And I just never did it. And so I have a number of students who are retired and, uh, and they've been students for quite a while. And so we Last year we went to, um, reunion and had a great time. And so we said, well, I said, well, let's plan another trip. We'll, we'll go to golf channel, uh, you know, tour the studio, show you where, where the, you know, where I do all my great work. Um, and, uh, you know, take a tour of the facility. We'll play Bay Hill. We'll play taking some of the local flavor. And and so I've got six guys going down, uh, you know, kind of a manageable trip and we'll stay at the lodge and. And so we played Bay Hill, uh, the 17th, uh, at about two o'clock in the afternoon. And so these guys are, they're just fired up because this is a bucket list trip for most of them. Um, they would never even consider, you know, trying to get on there. So that'll be fun. I'll show them around, show them all the memorabilia and Mr. Palmer's office. Um, you know, the, the lodge is just, it's wonderful. Every time I went down to shoot content, they put you up there and um it's just phenomenal that whole property sometimes you you stand there and you're like wow i mean arnold palmer was here every day you know walking around and and um had the good fortune to meet him before he passed away a number of years ago and and uh just a true gentleman and and really made an impact in a short you know short conversation so bigger than life to me
0: brian let's let's move on let's get some playing lessons uh for our folks here that Hopefully, it can help them shave some strokes off of their scores and but um, one of the things that you and I were talking about as well last week is how you like to have your students practice and play together. Talk about why you like to do that.
1: I like it because uh, there's always bright spots you know, in your groups where somebody's um, exceptional at doing something that somebody else can't do, and when they practice together, you know, I encourage them all to ask questions. And probably one of the best ways to cement learning is to have the student teach the student or teach the teacher. Uh, so there will be times where I'll ask questions and say, okay, take me through now. I'm the student and you're the teacher, and I need you to hit this shot. Let's say we want you to hit a high, you know, high draw. So talk me through how you would, would do this. And they get a little nervous at first. And, and I said, it's okay. Don't worry about making a mistake. Just tell me how, what's in your mind what's going through your mind on how you want this to happen. And and so they'll just walk you through the steps. And then if you need to add anything in, you add it in. And so they become very proficient, you know, at thinking that way. And then if they're coming off the lesson T and and maybe like last week, I had a, a group practice of myself with three other people and we played, you know, we warmed up and I showed them how we, you know, go through the process of putting first then shipping, pitching, um, and then full swing through up to your driver. And then you go back and putt a little bit and then you go back out and play. And they're like, wow, we never thought of that. We just jump out of our car and, <laughs> you know, um, you know, just run to the first tee. And so they start to learn processes. They start to learn how to think different. Um, and then they also develop the camaraderie. They develop friendships. And so these trips that we go on, um, these guys are, will be friends for the rest of their lives. You know, they enjoy each other's company. When you're having breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're playing golf, and you're talking, and you're laughing, and, and they'll be like, "Man, how did you hit that shot on that hole? Oh, well, I, you know, turned the club a little bit to the left, and I swung more to the right. And right or wrong, it worked for him. Um, and so, yeah, you should give that a try. You know, and it's it's uh it's kind of cool to watch them practice together.
0: Brian. I want to, you mentioned, you know, kind of warming up and getting ready to go play around the golf. And mm-hmm. oftentimes when, when we're on the range, boy, the, the swing is good. The shot looks good. And then we go over to the first tee and, and then not so much. How, how right. can we do a better job at taking that beautiful swing that we just had on the practice range and take it over and translate it to, uh, on the course?
1: Well, the first thing I, you know, share with people is is number one, you don't want your swing to warm you up. You want to be warm before you swing or to swing. So it's important to spend a little time previous to you getting on the range, you know, loosening up properly, whether it be, you know, riding a stationary bike or doing some band stretch and foam roll and then come out. We need to really dedicate, you know, some time to warm up our bodies a little bit. And then truthfully on the range, we work a lot on just tempo, tempo issues, you know, just trying to find our tempo for the day. We all know our mechanics are good. Um, and people fall into this technical trap where they go and they play and they make the game very technical. And it's not at that time. It's physical and mental and it's tactical at that time. There's very, you know, there's the technique part should be done. Um, so we try to help them relax. We try to help them get in a good mindset, and then get them into a process when they play where we teach um, what uh, Lynn and uh, Marriott and Pia Nielsen teach, where there's a play box, there's a think box, a play box, and a memory box. And then as we start to align, we teach them about trusting their eyes. So we always have them behind the golf ball and get in this process of getting behind the golf ball, trust your eyes when you pick your target, Set the club face, then set your feet and just, you know, let it fly. Don't spend a lot of time over the top of the ball. And then when you get after you hit your shot, you just objectify it, whether it's great or good, or good enough, or no good. And then you're on to your next one. And um, if you start to see patterns where your misses are all over the place, you've got to get one way. You gotta get it to one way, whichever way you pick, get it either right or left and then we can fix it from there as you're playing golf. And uh, it, it's kind of ironic, but it's been warm up here this winter. So uh, yesterday it was in the 60s, and one of my guys that I had today uh, said that uh, he was out playing his club and he kept blocking it and he kept hitting it to the right. So he told his group, he was with a and he said, this one's going left. It's hooking and I don't care how far it goes. And so he, he hooked it and then his eyes got really big and he said, and I said, what happened on your next drive? He goes, I killed it. He said, I hit it. I piped it with a nice little draw. And I said, well, why do you think that happened? He goes, because I changed the pattern. He goes, I changed the club face just like we learned. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> Success. <laughs> there
0: <laughs> you go. Fun. It was
1: a great story. You know, when you're you're talking about a 24 handicap telling the story, you know, and that he just, he goes, I piped it. He goes, it was awesome. I'm like, good. I said, I guess we're getting somewhere.
0: There you go. Brian, let's move a little closer to the green. And and one of the things that uh, many of us struggle with is is feel and distance control, particularly on the the shorter pitch shots, you know, 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 Mm -hmm. yards. What's a good way for us to develop that feel?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a phenomenal question. So we do uh, a random wedge ladder, it's called. So, uh, in our, in our, either our warming or our warm down, there's always wedge work in our lesson. So, uh, what we did today was we had eight different distances from 20 yards. So, uh, 20 to 85 or 90 yards today. And we would pair those. Like let's say we had number one was 20 and number eight was uh, 90 yards. We would put one and nine together. And we'd have four different rounds. We'd go one, two, three, four, and then we'd go one and eight, two and seven, you know, three and six, four and five. And then the next round would be randomized a different way. So they go through four rounds of carry uh, numbers only. And so they start to develop number sense and feel sense, how much the face is open, how much to drop the shaft, or how vertical to have the shaft, what the ball, the kind of ball flight they want to have. And so we talk about. Um, heights and launch uh, and also spin on the golf ball. And what's happening at that time period for them is they're starting to develop feel. Um, many people just kind of get into this block practice where they'll take 10 balls and they'll hit them from 20 yards. Um, and, and I'm more of a game player and more of a, a guy that likes to do random practice because it's more like golf. Uh, and the students really, really respond to it. They start to understand like how far twenty yards a carry is, how high they have to swing, or how long their arc has to be, how open the face has to be, where the shaft needs to sit, where the ball needs to sit, how their body position needs to be, and and so they can develop feel and we're all indoors right now, so it's pretty cool to watch how they're they're getting better and better and better at these games, and so that's what I would recommend uh, and I know not everybody has the facilities to do that. But you can take uh, a laser and just mark off spots on your local practice range and just take the yard sticks or yard flags or alignment sticks and just stick them in the ground at the numbers that you want them to be at and just go to work.
0: So is it a similar process for, for those of us that are also struggling to have feel on our, on our long putts, our lag putts? You know, we're mm-hmm. 30, 40, 50 feet from the hole. How do we mm-hmm. develop the feel and the touch? To try to get those closer.
1: It would would be the same thing. You know, you'd start to randomize your practice. We we work from 30 feet roughly, or 25 feet typically, to to three feet, and try. We set a grid around the hole, and it's not about making it. It's about getting inside that grid where statistically, you know, you're not going to miss. So 17 inches typically, the amateur will make 99 out of 100. They'll always miss one. For some reason, I don't know why, but they should make them all. Um, you know, most of the front, your friends, I say, like, if you can get it inside of your friends or your buddies in your groups are going to give them to you. You know, they're, they're pretty good about that. But we, it's the same type of principle where we might have one at 30, then we'll have one at eight feet, then we'll have one at, you know, 40 feet, then we'll have one at five feet. And so we move them around in a star, uh, where there's nine or, 10 different stations around the hole and they're in all different spots and, and that's how they develop their feel um, and, and I just did a big putting clinic um, <clears throat> at a, a local dome for uh, PGA Hope and I was talking to the students about how everybody has distance control, we all have it it's intrinsic, if you take a a ball and somebody walks away from you and they have to hit you in the face with it And you're walking away, and they have to toss it underhand, they'll be able to hit you. So, you have distance control. You can swing your arm the way it should go. We just tense up, and they get really nervous because uh, when they're putting, it seems to matter, (laughs) right? You know, and so, and I, you know, we talk a lot too about, well, if you don't want to have three putts, what do we need to do? And they're like, I don't know. Well, we'll hit it closer (laughs) with your irons, right? Become a better iron (laughs) player as well, right? <laughs> or we'll or we'll say, um I talked today in a in a coaching session about uh I heard I'm not sure when I heard this. It might it might have been Mark Brody, but he measures a statistic if I'm not mistaken about near the green in regulation. And so not to minimize missing a green and what how close should we be getting it if we're if we keep missing short on the green but our direction is really, really good you can still play great golf from being right in front of the green or pin high on one side or the other, as long as you're not in a hazard. If you're a wedge assassin, so we need to make our wedges really, really good and our putting really, really good and our iron striking really good and get off the driver a little bit more and and become better iron players, become better wedge players. And, And so the players at the academy have really bought into that.
0: Well, Brian, before I let you go, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Check out your videos. You've got a lot of really good uh, teaching videos available. Talk about your website and how they can follow you on social media.
1: Sure. Well, thanks for the kind words about the videos. It's uh, brianjacobsgolf.com for the website. And then uh, Instagram and Twitter are at brianjacobsgolf.com. They can contact me right through the website, right on the contact form. Follow me on Instagram, and and also if anybody is interested, they can they can send a video, right right on Instagram or right through Twitter or right right uh, through the contact form, and I'm happy to assess it for free. So I expect your video soon.
0: Wow, no kidding! I'll be working on that this weekend. I promise you. I get that over to you.
1: Yep, down the line, and, and uh, whatever club you want, and we'll we'll coach you up online a little bit. Well, I appreciate ya. Yeah,
0: Ryan, you. Brian, always fun having you as part of the show. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back. Uh, always so much fun when you're here.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. I always appreciate the uh, invitation and the opportunity to do that, and, and uh just wish you and
0: your family the best. Same to you and yours, my friend. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Play well at uh, at Bay Hill. Try to find uh, our our good friend Nat Sherry. Natalie Sherry is uh, down there as a as a caddy right now as she get, tries to get uh, you know kind of rehabbing to get back out on the Symmetra Tour. So say hello to her oh, if great. you happen to run into her. Oh, I'll
1: have to Hi, Brian. To Take care, know. my friend. All right. Thanks, Chris.
0: See you, Brian. That's a great Brian Jacobs, BrianJacobsGolf.com. And like I said, there's so many good videos that Brian has put together for all different aspects of your game. Go online and check those out. Can't help but learn something every time Brian is a part of the show. And every time you tee up one of his videos, you're going to come away from that feeling a heck of a lot better that you figured out what's going on with your golf swing. So Brian's a, a wonderful guy and a great friend, and I can't thank him enough for being here. And uh look forward to catching up with him on the other side of this Bay Hill trip, hear how that went, and then getting him back on the show again real soon. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. My sincere thanks to Todd Beach, Scott Felix, and Brian Jacobs for being here. Please check out our website, nextonthet.net to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like, who's going to be joining me. Please also check out the show. It's available as a podcast on a lot of great sites. Our good friends over at podcast.co and Podbean. Can't thank them enough for all, the, all they've done for the show. We're also on Launchpad DM, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm. We're all over the net. You got a favorite podcasting site? Yeah, I'm sure we're on it. Folks, thank you again for taking time out of your night and making us a part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.